0: Got a lot to cover this evening. We have the Vice President on in the next hour, I believe. Give us an update on things. But I I, I want to go through some of these uh, historic issues to further expose the abject hypocrisy and phoniness of the left. That includes Black Lives Matter. That includes Antifa. That includes, of course, leading Democrats. And all the rest. Now, we've talked about Robert Byrd. Robert Byrd was a grand grand legal, whatever the hell that is, in West Virginia as a young man. In other words, he actually was one of the founders of of the Ku Klux Klan in West Virginia, because most West Virginians were for the Union. West Virginia broke off from Virginia. And of course, Robert Byrd participated in filibustering the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Robert Byrd had a long history of racism and segregation segregationism, and uh, late in his life, he he reversed course. In the 1970s, however, he became majority leader of the Democrat Party, um, and he would also become the minority leader of the Democrat Party. In other words, he was the leader of the Senate Democrats for some time. In the 70s and in the 80s, he had leadership positions, and right up to his death, he'd been chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, which is enormously powerful, or the ranking member. That position, again, assigned not just by seniority, but by the Democrats. Now, Nancy Pelosi is very selective in her outrage about racism and segregation and bigotry. She wants 11 Confederate. Statutes removed from statutory hall in Congress. This is the first time she's ever said a thing about it. She's been in Congress since, I believe, 1980 or 81. Never said a word. Tim Kaine believes that America started slavery in 1619. Because he's an ignoramus, but that's beside the point. This man was Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Virginia. He was Governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia and never ever talked about taking anything down. Uh, we take this movement to its logical extreme, we should let the South go. Just let it go. Because much of the South, not all, but much of the South was part of the Confederacy. Since it was part of the Confederacy, it should go, which the Confederacy argued for in the first place, I guess. You can see how the hard left and the the Confederacy, there's overlaps. And I'll show that to you in a minute, too. Now, the media know that Bob Byrd was the head of the Senate Democrats for a very long time. The media know that Bob Byrd passed away in 2010. And the media know that they can go online to C-SPAN and find the video and audio of Democrat after Democrat after Democrat praising Robert Byrd. So why don't they play that for us? Why don't they show it to us? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. And they're all Democrats, too. Their family members are active Democrats, so this isn't about what they say it's about. The sports world, all Democrats, 90% of it. Hollywood, all Democrats, 90% of it. I've been proposing now for two weeks, I actually proposed several years ago, but for two weeks for sure, that the Democrat Party itself should be abolished, certainly its name given the fact it was the Party of the Confederacy and the Party of Slavery. Most people don't know that. Most people aren't educated about that. But since Nancy Pelosi wants to sandblast names and move statues and change battleships and all the rest, I'm thinking, I better play at least in part what Nancy Pelosi said about Robert Byrd at his memorial funeral before they sandblast that. It's all caught by C-SPAN. Here she is, June 29, 2010, on the floor of the House of Representatives. Cut to go.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'm honored to join you, uh, Chairman Rahal, uh, Congresswoman Capito, for uh, uh, in singing the praises of a great man, Senator Byrd. Uh, I rise today to remember the extraordinary life and legacy of Senator Robert C. Byrd of West Virginia, a man who loved his state, loved this country, and was such an important part of this Congress. Throughout his remarkable career, he worked for all Americans, and he never stopped fighting for the people of West Virginia. While some simply, while we are here, we all take pride in bearing witness to history, Senator Byrd shaped it. And in shaping history, he built a better future for all Americans. His story was the true embodiment of the American dream.
0: Wow. You see, it costs nothing politically, morally, otherwise, to take down 11 Confederate general statues. So long ago. But Robert Byrd, 10 years ago, that's just 10 years ago. June 29th, what's today, Mr. Producer? June 19th, almost 10 years to the day. Not just praising Robert Byrd, slobbering all over Robert Byrd. But then there's Joe Biden before he was hiding out in his padded basement. Joe Biden on July 22nd, 10 years ago, 2010, a eulogy for Robert Byrd, also on the public record. And we're only playing parts of this. It's much worse, but we don't have all day to play Democrats eulogizing a former Klansman. That could take all year. Cut three, go.
3: He was fiercely devoted, as you've all heard, to his principles. Even once he became power, he always spoke truth to power. Standing up for the people he proudly was part of, and you've heard it many times a day, but it bears repeating it again in defense of the Constitution he revered. I always wear a flag pin, but I was afraid he'd be looking down today because every time I'd wear the flag pin on the floor, he would grab me, take my pin, and put on a Constitution pin. That's the pin I'm wearing.
0: Hmm. That's when Biden was vice president of the United States. He wasn't done. Cut four a go.
3: But then I got in his good graces. I tried to run for president. He said, I don't want any senators running for president. I said, "Why?" Well, I said, why, Mr. Leader? He said, because you never come back and vote when I need you. <laughs> so I made a promise that no matter where I was, if he called me and said he needed my vote, I'd drop whatever I was doing and I'd come. And I kept the commitment. The only one, I might add. That got me back in his good graces again.
0: Ah, they love that Robert Byrd. Give me some of that Robert Byrd. They're having a grand old time. But take down those Confederate statues, man. I'll tell you what. And whatever you do, Washington, Jefferson, them too, while you're at. But Robert Byrd, hundreds and hundreds of memorials to Robert Byrd that he stuck in one spending bill after another. Those stand. Right there with Woodrow Wilson, who we discussed yesterday. Who resegregated the federal government. It was an out-and-out out racist. That's okay. It's a progressive. And Robert Byrd was a big, big spender. You gotta love that Robert Byrd. And Barack Milhouse Benito Obama, our first black president, well, he thought Robert Byrd was swell too. Why? Because he's a Democrat. And he spent a lot of money. Cut five, go.
4: Determined to make the most of every last breath, the distinguished gentleman from West Virginia could be found at his desk until the very end doing the people's business. Delivering soul-stirring speeches, a hint of the Appalachians in his voice.
0: All right, hold on, hold on. The Appalachians? It's the Appalachians. All right, never mind, go ahead.
1: Stabbing the air with his
4: finger... Fiery as ever, years into his 10th decade. He was a Senate icon, he was a party leader, he was an elder statesman, and he was my friend. That's how I'll remember him.
0: And he had been a Klansman, but that's how I'll remember him as his friend. Here we are trying to purify our culture the Democrats, the left. The Marxists, the anarchists, book burners all, movie burners all, TV burners all, decapitating statues, pulling them down. But there's Robert Burke. There's Obama giving him a verbal wet kiss. Obama, Biden, Pelosi, I could have played you 20 more. We could be doing this all night. And this is recent history. Recent history. You know that magnificent Supreme Court, not too far from the Capitol building, where we get these, these judicial giants like John Roberts. That very place. Well, not exactly that place. The Supreme Court. That was the court that gave us the Dred Scott decision. Wow. I think that has to come down, don't you, Mr. Producer? That's the court that gave us Plessy versus Ferguson. Segregation. Separate but equal is equal. Wow. Holy mackerel. That place needs to come down. That's the court, the place, the Supreme Court that gave us the Karamatsu Decision. What was that, Mark? FDR rounded up Japanese-Americans and sent them to internment camps. He did? Oh, he's the biggest of the Democrat icons. Get to him in a minute. Well, the court upheld that. It sure as hell did. Six to three. Just like the decision on Monday. Wow, that place needs to come down. Yeah. I guess it does. I'm certainly not advocating. I'm just playing along. Playing along. Tell me, uh, Chief Justice of the United States, will you be taking down the portraits or any records of justices on your court who were racists and bigots and segregationists? There were many. In fact, the first... Justice, or this first individual nominated by Franklin Roosevelt, I've told you this, to the Supreme Court for associate justice, was a guy by the name of a black. Hugo Black. Hugo Black was a lawyer for the Klan in Alabama. Hugo Black had a real hate on For blacks and Jews and especially Catholics of all colors. Even his son wrote about that. But there's no escaping it. I think every opinion Hugo Black ever wrote, Mr. Producer, should be ripped from the Supreme Court reporter. Anything with his name on it should be redacted, as we say. And he's not the only one, there have been others. They've been in the United States Senate. They've been in the United States House. They've been in the office of the presidency. They've been in the Supreme Court. It's not just Confederate generals. Oh, and let's look at sports. Because the Lord knows when it comes to civil rights and liberty, I always look at multimillionaire NBA players and NFL players Sports were segregated for a very, very long time. Shouldn't we burn down all these professional leagues? They have racism in their DNA. America is systemically racist. So why are we picking and choosing? Look at the New York Times. Systemically anti-Semitic. Shouldn't that come down to... I would think so, given it covered up the Holocaust. I mean, that's a big deal. All right, I'll be right back. Much Lovin'. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the Essentials of the Christian faith and religion All students must take a course The Western theological tradition As part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum The college also offers majors in religion Philosophy and religion And Christian studies Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place In which to discuss and practice faith Respectful dialogue among Christians Of different denominations And with students of non-Christian faiths Is just one hallmark of this stellar college Now to learn more Visit levinforhillsdale.com That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com levinforhillsdale.com Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, which receives an enormous amount of money thanks to the Democrats, was a racist who believed in eugenics. She even gave speeches to the Klan from time to time. Uh, And you can all look this up yourselves. And look how Planned Parenthood is treated today. Planned Parenthood, its primary function is abortions. And abortions, particularly in the black community, are really so numerous. So numerous. And the progressive movement and the left... And the Democrat Party loves Planned Parenthood. They embrace Planned Parenthood, and they're always talking about a woman's right to choose and a woman's right to choose. This is a movement, Planned Parenthood, that was founded by a racist who believed in eugenics. I'll be back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the Essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this Stellar College. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L E V I N for Hillsdale.com. Lavinforhillsdale.com.
1: The only constitutional lawyer you can see today for free. No appointment necessary. Just call him at 877 381 3811.
0: You know, this uh, the discussion on race and slavery in colleges and universities, in sports, in Hollywood, and the media, and so forth. You know what it never touches on? And I'm actually curious about this. How did people get enslaved in the first place, Mr. Producer, before they came to America? That is, who was responsible for enslaving them as well as putting them on the ships? We know a lot about people being put on ships. The information's out there. There are various kings and empires in Africa and other parts of the world, the Caribbean. And as they would defeat their enemies, tribes and so forth, they would enslave them and in some cases sell them. As well as white quote-unquote settlers who would come to Africa or other parts of the world and do the same thing. But it does interest me because I know the history of slavery with the Jewish people and I want to know all about it. But if I were to ask somebody who's on TV talking about these things, white, black, or indifferent, they'd have no idea. So history begins when people say they want it to begin. It never begins at the beginning. And I'm quite curious about this. And nobody seems to care. I would like to know. Now I don't want callers calling me with their uh, with their thoughts. That's not what this is about. It's about exposing the fact that people don't really want to know all about slavery. And all about enslavement. They just don't. In fact, slaves didn't first come to the United States in 1619. There were, excuse me, America, there was no United States in 1619. There were slaves who were actually here and brought here prior to that. Prior to that. I'm talking about African slaves. And before there were African slaves, there were other types of slaves, indigenous native slaves in this country, long before there were Europeans here. That's why when Tim Kaine goes to the floor of the Senate and says we invented slavery, it's just so totally ignorant. But when you put things in context, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't excuse it. It just gives you more information. More knowledge. Now I want to get to Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt is God to the Democrats and the progressives and the media and the left. He's God. Because he did more to destroy capitalism and constitutional republicanism than any president. He did more to advance the cause of, of the hard left than any president. More than Wilson, more than Obama, more than Johnson, Lyndon Johnson. And when you ask history professors from Ivy League schools and so forth who the greatest president was, it's typically Franklin Roosevelt. He was also one of the most fascistic of presidents, using the FBI and the IRS against his political enemies. Threatening newspapers, investigating newspaper publishers, and I could go on and on. But where I want to focus this evening is on his treatment of Japanese-Americans. And I want to know why Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, I want to know why professors, media types, do not condemn Franklin Roosevelt. Because again, what it does is it underscores the absolute hypocrisy. And even Politico, a few years back, pointed out Then in 1942, 10 weeks after a Japanese carrier force bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, President Roosevelt signed an executive order, it was actually a military order. That led to the forced removal of some 112,000 Japanese Americans, most of them American citizens, from their homes to be relocated to internment camps in remote locations away far from the West Coast. Now, you watch these Joe Biden ads out there, they're accusing the president of putting illegal immigrants in cages. Of course, he didn't, Obama did. But this is the party, not only of slavery, this is the party of Franklin Roosevelt. And they will tell you how wonderful Franklin Roosevelt... Look, we got Social Security, we got... Exactly. So you excuse him. It's the party of Robert Byrd. About 80,000 of the 112,000 were second generation. U.S.-born Japanese who held U.S. citizenship or third generation children. You know, Mike... In other words, beyond DACA, they were actually citizens. The rest were first generation immigrants born in Japan who were ineligible for U.S. citizenship at the time under U.S. law. For the next two and a half years, many of these Japanese Americans endured difficult living conditions and poor treatment by their military guards. Nobody talks about this. Franklin Roosevelt. He has his own memorial in Washington, D.C. They talk about tearing down Jefferson and we're going to do this to Lincoln. They never talk about Franklin Roosevelt's memorial. They never talk about the various buildings named after Woodrow Wilson. Now, why would that be? The presidential directive had authorized the removal of any or all people from military areas, quote, as deemed necessary or desirable, unquote. The Pentagon, in turn, defined the entire West Coast as a military area. And the U.S. Census Bureau assisted the military-sponsored internment efforts by providing confidential neighborhood data about Japanese-American residents. In 1944, the U.S. Supreme Court, in a 6-3 decision, and this was the Franklin Roosevelt Court, he had packed it, every single member of that court was appointed by Roosevelt. Upheld the constitutionality of the removals. Justice Frank Murphy, one of the dissenters, who was six to three, wrote that the exclusion of Japanese Americans, quote, falls into the ugly abyss of racism and resembles the abhorrent and despicable treatment of minority groups by the dictatorial tyrannies which this nation is now pledged to destroy. Wow. He must be saying that about Franklin Roosevelt, because it was Roosevelt's order. Murphy also compared the treatment of Japanese Americans with the treatment of Americans of German and Italian ancestry, who were largely unaffected by wartime controls as evidence that race, and not the wartime emergency alone, led to the exclusion order. As a matter of fact, people have tried to justify this since, and not just Democrats. But even back then, this was considered an extremely radical Decision, Because these people lost their homes, they lost their businesses, and they were forcibly removed. American citizens, for the most part. For its part, the court limited its decision to the validity of the exclusion order, avoiding the sensitive issue of the incarceration of U.S. citizens without legal due process. Ah, you got to love the court. I explained to you last, uh, last night. How many awful people have been on the Supreme Court? Great people too, but it is what it is. The court's 1944 decision has never been reversed. Never. During World War II, 10 Americans were convicted of spying for Japan. None of them were Japanese. None of them had Japanese ancestry. Those who survived... Those who were alive when Ronald Reagan was president, they received recompense of $20,000 each and an apology from the U.S. government. See that mark reparations? I said those who were alive, who had been sent to internment camps, received it. Not their children, not their grandchildren, not their great-grandchildren. Franklin Roosevelt. And yet the Democrats, as they talk about Robert Byrd, they just love Franklin Roosevelt. Oh my god, this guy. FDR, fantastic, just the best. Because he was a hardcore leftist. Didn't matter what he did. To the Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent. Didn't matter in the least. It's a Democrat. He's a Democrat, that's all. What else do you need to know? Now, there were things going on during the mostly peaceful protest, which were mostly violent in certain respects and in some places. There's an excellent piece by Daniel Greenfield. While we're getting in the race and religion, here we are. This is where we are. I didn't bring us here in frontpage.com. I told you several times that I had a rabbi on this program, Rabbi Burke, about what happened in synagogues in L.A. And the swastikas and the other stuff that was there. Now we know why. First of all, I want you to hear from one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. If you just think it's about police reform, and so forth and so on, you're dead wrong. She's the co-founder. Her name is Patrice Cullors, C-U-L-L-O-R-S, I believe. On Twitter, it was on The Real News. And here in part is what she said. Cut 13, go.
5: We actually do have an ideological frame. Um, Myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, We... uh, are trained Marxists. Um, We are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folks.
0: So in other words, let's just be honest. She's a Marxist. That's what she said. She's a trained Marxist. So it's they'll use race or they'll use the environment or they'll use whatever they have to use. They're Marxists. They're Marxists, number one, not black activists, number one. That's number two. They're Marxists. Marxists. So it's not about police brutality for Marxists. That's just a little tip of the iceberg. No, no, no. They're about overthrowing the existing system, the civil society. That's what Marx preached. And he also said, as I told you before, there may be a period of despotic rule. And so violence is encouraged. Anybody gets in the way? Well, they need to be whacked in one form or another. Their character destroyed or whatever. I want to play this for you again. I suspect this is the first time you've heard this. Patrice, it's spelled C-U-L-L-O-R-S, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Cut 13, go.
5: We actually do have an ideological frame. Um, Myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers, um... We uh, are trained Marxists. Um, We are um, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folks.
0: So why isn't this being played anywhere on cable TV? Nowhere, right, Mr. I haven't heard it anywhere. Or network news. Nowhere. Why are we lied to repeatedly. About what's going on here. Lied to repeatedly. These are trained Marxists. Today it's about. Systemic racism. Tomorrow it'll be about. uh, Climate change. The next day it'll be. Whatever it is. And the Democrat party is the vessel through which all of this is poured. All of it. But it's mostly peaceful, ladies and gentlemen. But if they don't get their way when they want to get their way, it's mostly violent. Now, I brought up L.A., and after the break, I want to tell you what took place in L.A. Again... Hasn't been on a single cable news program or network news program, and you're sure as hell aren't going to read it in the Democrat Party rags like the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. And there's Jim Acosta arguing with the press secretary of the president over a perfectly innocent and quite funny tweet with a video. That's the nature and the intelligence of the media in this country. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the Essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. All right. Fortunately, it's a short segment, which means fortunately the last one was pretty long. So I may have to pick up where I leave off after the top of the hour. So the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement has stated, and you've heard with your own ears, uh that it is a Marxist movement. She's trained in Marxism. And she's not the only one. It's also, in many ways, an anti-Semitic movement. It is welcoming of Farrakhan. It is welcoming of others. And Mort Klein, who's head of ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America, has pointed this out, and he's correct. And for that, he's come under vicious attack by left-wing Democrats, Jews and non-Jews and organizations, faith-based and non-profit. See, people don't want to hear the truth, but it's the truth. The reason I played uh, Patrice Cullors, C-U-L-L-O-R-S, or Cullors, uh, the BLM co-founder, So you don't have to hear it from me. You can hear it from her. One more time, Mr. Producer, go to cut 13, please, go.
5: We actually do have an ideological frame. Um, Myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, We uh, are trained Marxists. Um, We are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological So theories. basically
0: she is a really hardcore Marxist ideologue. Now will that change anybody's view of Black Lives Matter? No. Will the mayor of Washington D.C. now? Will she remove the BLM letters that she had painted across from the White House? Not in the least. No. Marxism's in ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. Hello America, Mark Levin here Our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 Ever hear this guy, Matt Tabby, Mr. Producer? Is it Taibi? Looks like a Tabby Man, oh I'd love to meet this guy Love to meet this guy a lot of conservatives say, wow, he's criticizing the left. He's a punk. He's a moron. That's all. He's a punk, he's a moron. He's nothing clever or useful or profound to say. He's a foul mouthed buffoon. And now millions of you have never heard of this clown before, suddenly so you're gonna look him up. Go ahead. Wow, he's actually criticizing the fascistic left. Really? He's a clown, he writes for Rolling Stone. Nobody serious writes for that. He does a podcast. Are you familiar with that, Mr. Beduther? With a woman, I don't remember her name. Halpern or Halper or something? Wow. Another low life. Oh Katie Halper. Another low like gee, let's all listen in to that podcast. But they're pretty sick, they really are. Maybe I'll circle back. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a this is your life on this show. I don't know. Right, Maddie, right Katie. Two true putzes. But I want to move on. I told you about what was taking place. ...in L.A. as it was taking place. We had Rabbi Berg here from AISH. And he was saying, look, there's things going on there... ...and they're not being reported. And they're not being reported. Instead, we get all day long and even into the night... Uh, ...the president's rally in Tulsa. And is it safe? Is it dangerous? Will they be wearing masks? I mean, I know your head is spinning... ...because just a few days ago when we had mostly peaceful protests... ...and a lot of not-so-peaceful protests... ...there's no discussion about masks and the coronavirus, except to the extent that the experts and the commentators downplayed it. Well, look, you know, it's a civil rights issue here. If people get the virus, they get the virus. Daniel Greenfield over at the front page is quite, quite a sharp guy. He's a Shulman Journalism Fellow at the Freedom Center, an investigative journalist, and a writer focusing on the radical left and Islamic terrorism says it's no coincidence. Now, and then ask yourself why everything I'm telling you tonight has not been in the media. Even Matt Talibi. And what's the other one's name? Katie Halper. The two useful idiots. Even they don't cover it, they're focused elsewhere. Like, on, oh, never mind. It's no coincidence that the riots here escalated in Fairfax, a part of L.A., the icon of the Jewish community. I saw the Watts and the Rodney King riots. They never touched a synagogue or a house of prayer. The graffiti showed blatant anti-Semitism. It's Kristallnacht all over again, Rabbi Shimon Reschick, a halab rabbi in L.A. wrote. These scenes from what the media have falsely called peaceful protests in the Jewish community in the Fairfax neighborhood of L.A., has called the Shavuot riots after the biblical holiday during which the worst of the attacks on the community occurred has fundamentally divided Los Angeles Jews. In other words, the more secular types versus the more devout. Alison Rowan Taylor. I don't really care about her. The looting not only devastated countless small businesses in the area, but graffiti, some of it explicitly anti-Semitic, was scrawled across at least five Orthodox Jewish synagogues and three religious schools. The attack on our community last night was vicious and criminal. Fairfax is the center of the oldest Jewish community in Los Angeles, Councilman Paul Corette said. As we watched the fires and looting, what didn't get covered were the anti-Semitic hate crimes and incidents. Actually, Newsmax covered it, and I covered it. Talibi and his girlfriend didn't cover any of it. Melina Abdullah. Melina Abdullah, the lead organi- organizer of Black Lives Matter in L.A. and a professor of pan-African studies at Cal State, have been very clear about her motive for bringing her hateful campaign to the area. Quote, We've been very deliberate in saying that the violence and pain and hurt that's experienced on a daily basis by black folks at the hands of a repressive system should also be visited upon to a degree to those who think that they can just retreat to white affluence. The BLM LA co-founder ranted. Malina Abdullah has a hateful record of appearing at Farrakhan and Nation of Islam events, he writes, and uh, praising the anti-Semitic hate group and its leader. When Facebook decided to remove Farrakhan over his hateful rhetoric toward Jews, the Black Lives Matter LA co founder came to his defense. Quote Facebook and Instagram's decision to ban the honorable minister Farrakhan, along with known white supremacists, represents the ultimate and false equivalencies, she complained. As a black community, we should be very wary when others attempt to silence our leaders. We should also think about how to organize beyond social media. I continue to appreciate the minister's fearless leadership and intense love for our people. Now, Farrakhan has praised Hitler, compared Jews to termites, and declared, quote, those who call themselves Jews, who are not really Jews, but in fact Satan, claimed, quote, Hitler was trying to destroy the international bankers controlling Europe, and boasted, quote, there has not been a black leader in America locked in a struggle with the Jewish community, but Louis Farrakhan, unquote. Now, Abdullah's made no secret of sharing Farrakhan's hostility toward Jews. He goes on, the BLM LA leader had complained that the Women's March included, quote-unquote, Zionists. And at the Women's March, Thandiwa Abdullah, her daughter, now the co-founder of the BLM Youth Vanguard, remember this is a Marxist movement according to the co-founder, the Youth Vanguard, had said that as, quote, A black Muslim girl, it's very important to me that Black Lives Matter also values the lives of Muslim women in Palestine and accused Israel of genocide. She also spoke at the Fairfax Black Lives Matter protest where she ranted, quote, I know you want to tear some blank up if you want to set some corporations on fire. You know what? I don't care about target burning. I don't care that capitalism burns. I don't care that white people in their blanking office buildings are upset. Not just Melina, but Black Lives Matter LA had partnered with the Nation of Islam, as she had noted in the past, quote, Minister Farrakhan was calling on folks not to spend their dollars with the white corporations and keep us oppressed, and so we partnered with the nation and helped to amplify that call. The media not only failed to report the scale of vandalism against Jewish synagogues and schools, but treated it as a mysterious aberration while failing to report that BLM LA's lead organizer had a history of anti-Semitism and that BLM LA had allied with one of the most vicious anti-Semite hate groups around. It did not note her own statement that violence and pain, hurt, quote-unquote, should also be visited on people living and working in an area which included one of LA's major Jewish communities. The media repeatedly described Abdullah as an activist against police violence while ignoring her affinity for a racist black supremacist hate group whose leader has described Jews as satanic and subhuman. And it goes on. That's your media today. That's your media today. And so why don't they talk more about Black Lives Matter? Co-founder Alicia Garza, to whom the other co-founder was talking about in the video, San Francisco Weekly of the Bay Area. Um, She studied political thought in college. She didn't get engaged in leftist politics until she graduated when she landed an internship in 2003 with School of Unity and Liberation, an Oakland training program for social justice organizers. Now, in the San Francisco Weekly.com news, quote, When I trained in sociology, we would read Marx, we would read de Tocqueville, and we would read all these economic theories, but in a void, she says. It never got mentioned in those classes that social movements all over the world have used Marx and Lenin as a foundation to interrupt the systems that are really negatively impacting the majority of people. And through Soul, Garza began working with Just Cause Oakland, a new organization that in 2002 successfully passed a ballot initiative, Measure EE, that established Just Cause eviction protections for Oakland tenants. And Garza's summer with Saul wasn't just about getting a political education and a leftist analysis around capitalism and imperialism and white supremacy and patriarchy and other archies, I guess, as she described it, but a crash course in grassroots community organizing. So there's one of the co-founders, a Marxist. The other co-founder, Marxist. Ties with BLMLA, with the Nation of Islam and Farrakhan. And the rampant anti-Semitism and graffiti on synagogues, including swastikas that took place in the Fairfax community in LA. None of this has been reported on CNN. None of this has been reported on MSNBC. I don't know if it's been reported on any cable news programs. None of this has been reported by Network News. You want to know why? Two reasons. They're scared to death to do it, or they just don't give a damn. It's target Trump, and nothing else can get in the way. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: So I've been watching these riots around the country. I'm absolutely sickened. I'm sure most of you are. You know, John Locke once said, law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. Where there's no law, there's no freedom. You want to let rioters burn down your cities? There goes your freedom. You want to get rid of cops? There goes your freedom. You want to elect Joe Biden? There goes your freedom. As you've heard me say many times, I have a liberty agenda. And at Levin TV, which airs on Blaze TV... You can watch this come to life with our conservative, pro American content that reveres our Constitution and champions our individual freedoms. This is what we do each and every day. And there's never been a better time to check us out. Just go to levintv.com, L E V I N TV.com, and sign up today for a free 30 day trial. That's right, we're going to give you a full month of Levin TV and all the other great shows on Blaze TV at no cost to you but only if you subscribe right now at LevinTV.com. You know, this is not to say there weren't, obviously, some people protesting peacefully about issues they believe in, apart from Marxism and the violent overthrow of the United States, apart from the nation of Islam and anti-Semitism, obviously. But the point is, what you saw was a real huge mix of purposes and agendas. And when you hear the left and the media say, this president isn't uniting the people, it is impossible to unite the people when you have these elements, these radical fringe elements in our society which have as their purpose to disunite the people and to burn things down. Literally and figuratively. And the president was attacked and attacked and attacked when he even thought about using the Insurrection Act, which has been used at least a half a dozen times, probably more of the last century. He's the dictator. This is why I'm repulsed by Mattis and repulsed by Kelly and Mullen. This is why I'm repulsed by Bolton and all the opportunists. And all the opportunists. It's grotesque. And I've heard nobody in the media talk about the blatant anti-Semitism of this BLM movement. I've heard nobody in the media talk about the blatant attachment to Marxism that its co-founders admit openly. Openly. They're recorded saying it. It's written about what they say. They admit it openly. And Antifa, another Marxist anarchist movement, enormously violent. They dismiss, you know, it was mostly, you know, mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful. You never say that about Tea Party rallies or constitutional rallies or people rallying to open their business. Mostly peaceful. Forget about the guy with the rifle. Forget it. No, no. It's look at these people. They're endangering everybody. And this is why the media is despised. And this is why the current people serving in these positions in the media have destroyed themselves. Journalism is not a profession anymore any more than prostitution is a profession. And I think prostitutes are probably more honorable. But I'd have to check that out with Rolling Stone, Mr. Producer. We've talked a lot about why the Media Research Center is essential in the fight against the liberal media. just makes sense that they also lead the effort to expose and fight the censorship of conservatives online with their MRC Tech Watch Department. MRC Tech Watch monitors Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, and others every day and exposes their efforts to censor conservative content. And right now, in an election year, there's an effort underway to kick the President of the United States off social media completely. Talk about rigging elections. Learn more about the MRC and MRC Tech Watch at mrclevin.org, N.org. Just one example of the importance of this great organization happened recently. When President Trump signed his recent executive order to hit back at Big Tech's anti-conservative bias, he cited the work of MRC Tech Watch during the Oval Office signing ceremony. There are only a handful of conservative organizations that have a real impact every day in the fight to save our country, and that MRC is one of them. Go to mrclevin.org, that's mrclevi to learn more. And by the way, the vice president will be on with us after uh, the bottom of the hour. Now, again, I told you about Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood, which the Democrats will shut the government over and demand receive enormous amount of funds. And they call what Margaret Sanger really started in many respects a choice. Eugenics, that's what she embraced. She spoke of, quote, race improvement, unquote, had a, quote, Negro project, unquote, among other things, spoke to the Silver Lake, New Jersey, women's chapter of the KKK in May 1926. And she wrote about it openly in her memoirs. And yet there's a bust of Margaret Sanger in the Smithsonian Institution. There are streets and squares named for Margaret Sanger. And her Planned Parenthood disproportionately aborts black babies. And yet, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats put money in one of these so-called relief or stimulus bills as a result of the coronavirus. Tens of millions of dollars into that bill for Planned Parenthood. We have a court that ruled that Planned Parenthood couldn't be defunded. It's always at the top of the list for Democrats to defend Planned Parenthood. And yet Margaret Sanger was, was a vulgar and vile racist segregationist. And you'll see Democrats and leftists online, they try and defend her. Well, not exactly. It's, it's like Democrats in the Klan. Well, it wasn't the Democrat Party. May have been this Democrat, that Democrat, the next Democrat. But it wasn't the party per se. Oh, okay. Okay. And Franklin Roosevelt, no, 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 turn the other cheek. Woodrow Wilson, not, nah. turn the other cheek. Those Democrat governors in the no, no, nah, nah, they're all Republicans. They're not the Democrats, no, nah, no. Nah. Oh, Robert Burke, no. Nope. Nancy Pelosi's dad, no, 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 Nancy's good. Nancy's very busy purging stuff that she doesn't like, but leaving other stuff that she does. Oh, yes. When we return, ladies and gentlemen... The Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence. I'll be right back. Do you know what we do at Levin TV on the Blaze TV Network? Well, we give you intelligent content you won't see anywhere else. It's an honor to have the Vice President, Mike Pence, on the program. We go back a little ways, don't we, Mr. Vice President?
4: <laughs> we, we do, Mark. Great to be with you. Thanks Great for having me back me. on the show.
0: Well, thank you. You know, uh, you all are going to have a, uh, a fantastic event in Tulsa. But I, I'm watching the media, the same media that basically uh, was quiet or worse when it came to the mostly peaceful protests. I think that's the phrase. And... Uh, they actually had experts come on and say, this is different. This is okay. Obviously, the virus doesn't affect protesters. Now, the protesters before who wanted the you know, the governors and the mayors to allow them to uh, get back to their regular lives, they were spreading the virus. Now, you guys are spreading the virus. What do you make of all this?
4: Well, it's such a glaring double standard. It's almost, uh, it's almost hard to take seriously. Look, mm-hmm. the... The freedom of speech, the right to peaceably assemble, is enshrined in the First Amendment of the Constitution. And, um, you know, know, there's no excuse for the rioting and the violence and the looting. But those that were peacefully protesting had every right to do it. Uh, in this free society and and the tens of thousands of Americans who who at this hour are making their way to Oklahoma have every right uh, to gather uh, and uh, and to stand by President Donald Trump and 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 get this reelection campaign kicked off in in just the right fashion and we we couldn't be more excited to be there we're taking a you know we're taking the appropriate measures people are going to be temperature checked on their way in they'll be provided hand sanitizers and masks but uh this is really about uh this is really about freedom this is about the american people having an opportunity to let their voice be heard and I, i can't wait to get there
0: and you know, it's, it is very frustrating to my audience. People have called in here that the mostly peaceful protesters get treated one way, and the 100% peaceful tro- protesters, that is, people who go to a rally, get treated another right. way. And it's, and it's very off putting, it's very upsetting to people.
2: Well, and and it was, so, it was, was know,
4: also the you know, people that were rallying peacefully to open up their states again. That's right. Remember how, how they were—they were denounced uh, by the media and reckless, and and uh, it just—it's just one more example of the the environment that we're dealing with, with the liberal mainstream media in this country. But I think the American people see through it. You know, I was in Michigan yesterday. I was at a couple of great companies that uh, uh, that have labored through this challenging time, uh, kept their employees on the rolls. I went by a, a local uh, restaurant run by a couple of retired firefighters and I got to tell you, the enthusiasm out there, uh, at everywhere I go, uh, is uh, is overwhelming. I think people are ready. People are ready to get behind this president for four more years, and and uh, and people are ready to make America great again. Again, Mark.
0: Do you ever think uh, Joe Biden's going to come
4: out of his basement? Well, I th- you know, I think he has to at some point. Uh, somebody told me the other day that it's that it's been more than seventy-five days since he's answered questions. From reporters in any kind of a press conference setting, and um, you know, th- this president you know, almost every day is standing before reporters, uh, answering questions and showing the kind of vigor that the American people uh, expect from their president. And uh, but more than that, you know, I, I honestly think um, I, I honestly think that whether he comes out of the basement or not, the American people know. The American people know that, uh, that you look at the record of the Obama Biden administration on the economy. I mean, I mean, after, uh, you know, after the, the collapse uh, on Wall Street, uh, they oversaw what was the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression. And this president, in just three short years, by cutting taxes, rolling back regulation, fighting for free and fair trade, more than 7 million jobs created record unemployment uh, record low unemployment for Hispanic Americans for African Americans uh, tens of you know 7 million jobs created tens of thousands of Americans saw their wages rising so people know as we're opening up America again and all 50 states are doing it mark mm-hmm. all 50 states and our territories are in the process of what the president calls a transition to greatness uh, I really do believe uh, that uh, the majority of Americans know uh, who can bring this economy all the way back and, in fact, bring it back bigger and better than ever before, and that's President Donald Trump.
0: You know, Joe Biden, Mr. Vice President, used to like to call himself Lunchbucket Joe. Now, honestly, he never carried a lunch bucket in his life, but that's beside the point. What bothers me is there are a lot of Lunch Bucket Joes and Josephines out there. They run our grocery stores and our gas stations that drive trucks. They're going to work every day. You know, they're, 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 they're taking care, you know, with masks and all the rest of it. And to watch the, the putative nominee of the Democrat Party really, I think, stay in the basement when there's no more reason for him to stay in the basement is offensive to me. When, when hardworking, minimum wage people are out there working and the, vice Pres- and the former vice president of the United States won't leave his house.
4: Well, Mark, it goes beyond that. Remember that a lot of those very same people you talked about never stopped working. They were in what we call essential businesses, including grocery store clerks, including our health care workers, our first responders, people working in, in vital industries in this country, and of course, uh, all of those in law enforcement and in our military. I mean, uh, through the darkest days of this coronavirus pandemic, millions of Americans kept showing up. Uh, for work and doing their job. I, I had a chance along the last several months to thank a lot of truck drivers. And I know you got a lot of truckers that listen to your oh, yeah. show. God bless every single one of them. They kept food on the table. They kept uh, supplies rolling all across this nation. And now, as as our nation is reopening across the country, and and people are going back to work, and we saw the jobs reports of, you know, three million jobs created in the month of May alone. It's a testament to people that kept going to work, and everybody going back to work. So I, I'm I think it's one of the big reasons that you know you, I've been traveling the country. The president was on the road and, uh, not long ago. We're we're absolutely determined to to. Um, um, to get this country working again president trump and i know america uh america works when americans are working uh and uh, uh and, and this president and this vice president will keep leading by example and celebrating the incredible contributions of uh of everyday americans through um, throughout this coronavirus pandemic and uh, and everyday sounds
0: I want to ask you about this latest Supreme Court decision, this DACA decision. And I I understand that the the president's going to circle back and address this. But as somebody who has watched the court for decades, as somebody who's litigated for a long time and run a legal foundation, who was chief of staff to an attorney general, Mm. this is appalling. We cannot have the Supreme Court... That says, okay, the Obama executive order, which clearly violated separation of powers, the president can't write laws, and even Obama used to say that, but the incoming president or the next president can't revoke it, and then they find some technical reasons, absurd reasons, with the Administrative Procedures Act. I mean, now, now the Supreme Court and these courts have intervened, and they're going to determine whether an executive order by a prior president must be upheld by a subsequent president? Are you troubled by this?
4: Uh, we we were deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court's decision. I, I can't describe it any better than Mark Levin, and I wouldn't try. But it was straight up legislating from the bench, and, uh, and it failed to respect a, a separation of power. It just failed to respect... Um, the, the entire lawmaking process here. I mean, I, I was I saw a clip last night on television again of an old speech President Obama gave in which he was he was telling people that were advocating for him to act unilaterally that he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Then he went ahead and did it, <laughs> and then, and, uh, and and as you know, a corollary to that, that, an earlier Supreme Court already found that the president's unilateral action was unconstitutional. He can't he can't with a stroke of a pen change immigration laws uh and the the fact that this uh by a 5 to 4 majority that uh, chief justice roberts again uh with the liberals on the court found found a way uh, to keep this uh, uh this uh, uh this extraordinary overreach in executive authority uh, going uh was just uh well, it, it just it, it was stunning. But look, the president's evaluating all of his options. And but I also want to be quick. Look, President Trump has made it clear he wants to solve the DACA problem. He mm-hmm. wants Congress to come to the table and will bring the compassion of the American people to bear. These are these are people who were, were brought to this country uh, as children through no fault of their own. And the president's been absolutely crystal clear that we want to solve it, but we want to solve it working with the Congress while we also deal with longstanding uh, problems in our immigration system, beginning Mm -hmm. with border security. You know, the president was, because Congress wouldn't work with us, the president declared a national emergency. And I'm pleased to tell your listeners that we've already constructed more than 200 miles of border wall. And we're continuing to build more border wall every day, but uh, what, what, what should be happening here is that Congress should come to the table, um, do their job, uh, and the Supreme Court, I, I think, did a great disservice uh, to our constitutional framework uh, by not arriving at the proper legal decision, sending this back uh, to the Congress where we could, where we could, uh, we could come up with uh, a a real fix uh, for the dreamers, as they are known, but also make make vitally important reforms to our immigration system and to border security. Let me ask you one final question here.
0: Yeah. Police reform. You know, my concern is, you've got the left out there. They don't view this as police reform. They view this as the evisceration of the police. You've got the Democrat Party. This is part of their base, some of the radical elements here. They they want to remove qualified immunity. Well, we know if you remove qualified immunity that these police officers will be sued by the, my language, the ambulance-chasing lawyers for almost anything. They'll lose their homes. Their families will be broke. So you won't have effective policing. The Democrats are insisting on this. So we need to be careful. Isn't that correct that we have a proper balance here that we don't undermine law enforcement?
4: My uncle was a police officer in Chicago for 25 years, Mark, and uh, I think most of the American people know that men and women who put on the uniform of law enforcement are the best people in this country. They've risked their lives every single day to protect uh, and serve uh, our families, and um, uh, we, we, all, we all know uh, what, what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis uh, was a disgrace. It shocked the conscience of the nation. But what this president did um, was sit down with law enforcement, sit down with African-American leaders uh, and listen and find ways that, look, we can improve public safety. Uh, we can get we can we can give law enforcement more tools and in, more training opportunities in the use of force. But we're not going to defund the police. Uh, the yeah. contrary, we're, we're going to fund the police we're going to give them uh, resources to to Im- improve standards, improve training. And, and that's what African-Americans want. That's what that's what every American wants is is uh, is support for law enforcement, for looking for ways in good faith that we can that we can improve law enforcement. But the radical elements that want to dismantle and defund the police, um, uh, I, I believe, uh, have to be opposed and rejected Uh, in this country. And I'm very confident. I'm very confident that they will. My hope is that uh, Senator Tim Scott gets a hearing uh, from Democrats on Capitol Hill that we can actually look uh, for ways to to, uh, move legislation. But uh, what the president did this week with his executive order, it all begins with our commitment to law and order and to helping public safety improve by supporting law enforcement uh, and not supporting those who want to dismantle or defund the the incredible law enforcement agencies that that serve our nation every day.
0: Well, Mr. Vice President, I want to thank you. Be safe out there, and, uh, and Godspeed.
4: Thank you, Mark. Great to be with you.
0: Great to be with you, too. Be well. We'll be right back. Mark
4: Levin.
0: It's been reported that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over 21 billion dollars. But searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls. Until now, thanks to the zebra.com free you can save up to six hundred and seventy dollars a year using the zebra.com whatever your economic situation the zebra is committed to helping you save how much can you save on car and home insurance go today and start saving at the zebra.com slash levin that's the slash levin spelled t-h-e-z-e-b-r-a.com slash l-e-v-i-n You're here because we, as they say, speak truth to power, Mr. Producer. Don't you think? I think so. I have a very, very important Life, Liberty and Levin on the uh, Fox News Channel on Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Because we're going to cover two subjects. We're going to cover the subject of what's going on in our colleges and universities as relates to to the protests and the riots and the other activities we've seen. And then the second half of the program, we're going to focus in on the media in in quite a different way. I'm going to have two brilliant scholars, and we're going to go through this. Because, you see, what's going on in our universities and colleges affects the teachers that teach your children in middle school and elementary school and high school. Uh, We have tenured professors, many of whom are of a Marxist ideology, hard left, anti-American ideology. Our children are being indoctrinated, and we're subsidizing all this with their tuition and state and federal dollars. So we want to look at this. And we also want to look at the media with a a truly unique uh, perspective of looking at the media and look at the statistics because the same elements that are in our colleges that are destroying academic freedom are in our newsrooms destroying freedom of the press. And by that, I don't mean the government is somehow destroying freedom of the press I mean, the people who are, are serving as and claiming to be journalists, they have destroyed freedom of the press because we're not really talking about a press here. We're talking about demagogues spewing propaganda. And there's a perfect example of this. You can see the way the, uh, the Tulsa rally is going to be covered and is being covered versus the, uh, the looting and the burning and the mostly peaceful protesting going on in major cities in this country. The people who are bringing you the news are basically political Democrats and leftists. And the Democrat Party is the vessel through which Antifa, Black Lives Matter, uh, the anti-Semitic wing of the Democrat Party, that's the vessel through which all these things are taking place. And it's hugely problematic. You see very little condemnation by Joe Biden, And did of the looters and the rioters, passing mention, same with Schumer, that, oh, well, they're mostly peaceful. That's the line. The Tea Party was 100% peaceful. The people who protested the closing of their businesses, salons, gyms, restaurants, gun shops, they were 100% peaceful, not mostly peaceful. They weren't violent in the least. And they were trashed. But there is a radical element to these things, and it's the radical element behind the scenes, and yet, obviously, with me pointing this out more and more ubiquitous, that really take control of these events. It's not the morons who get out of college, who come from relatively wealthy families, who've been brainwashed into this sort of Marxist or soft Marxist ideology. It's not the morons who own, who own sporting teams or who play uh, as uh, sports athletes, it's not the morons that drama schools produce uh, in our uh, universities. These these basically are are fools. It is the it is the Marxists who know exactly what they're doing. The Marxist anarchists, they know exactly what they're doing. Whether it's race, whether it's the environment, immigrant, whatever it is, they're going to exploit and seize the opportunity. I'll be right back. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877 381 3811. 877 381 3811. I am looking, Mr. Producer, for that Daily Caller piece that I think I just sent to you to post. If you have that, can you, can you send that back to me, please? It's very important. But I want to read something to you from commentary, which really summed it up beautifully. Much better than National Review, as a matter of fact. And um, they talk about the unraveling. The unraveling is in progress. A rolling crime wave under the guise of social activism has left city after American city shattered and smoldering. Armed anarchists seize territory inside Seattle with the blessing of local government. In Minneapolis and the other cities, a campaign to enfeeble or eliminate the police has gained full legitimacy. In Kentucky, the governor has vowed to provide free health care only to one racial group. In the private sector, companies such as Uber Eats have pledged their commitment to a policy of race-conscious discrimination as well. And major media organs sanction all of the above as proper and good. The unraveling goes further still. Social justice mobs have taken aim at freedom of expression, inventing new heresies daily and ruining the lives of those who unwittingly give voice to them. Forced confessions and language prescriptions are the order of the day. Poetry, fiction, movies, and television shows, including children's cartoons, are cancelled and excised from history. Instead, all art and opinion are now subject to the chopping block, lest they provide insufficiently propagandistic. To rewrite the present, the mob has rewritten the past. They have forced upon us a distorted and grotesque version of American history. With the support of corporation and education boards, school textbooks, and curricula, They tell of an unredeemable America founding, not on the promise of human liberty, but human bondage. What's more, this history discounts the transformative progress on racial equality for which Americans, black and white, have given their lives. Through the violent politicization of all aspects of American life, the mob aims to destroy the country as we know it and replace it with a new one. An anti-American that trades speech for violence, police for thought police, a free press for an indoctrination network, and the respect to the citizen for obeisance owed the mob. Sorry, I'm doing two things at once here. There's one way to stop the unraveling. Refuse the mob. We've seen again and again that the mob comes only for those who hope to please it. And when it does, no amount of apology will save you. We stand against the mob and all its aims. We stand against the chaos and the violence, the silencing of debate, the purging of heretics, the rewriting of history, and the destruction of the greatest country in the world. We will defend the most majestic achievement of humankind, the United States of America, against the most ignoble impulse in human history to tear down that which is good. They say we stand down, excuse me, we stand for a plurality of opinion in the public square. We affirm that the right to voice a minority opinion is equal in every respect to the right to voice a majority opinion. We therefore reject the public policing of opinion in all its forms. A full airing of available facts and data on all topics. We welcome any impartial findings that may serve to advance discussion. No objective facts are beyond the bounds of deliberation and debate. A rejection of cancel culture and all it entails. We renounce enemies lists, online media mobs, and professional scalp hunts. Clear, bright lines between speech and violence. We affirm that speech, spoken or written, and no matter how egregious, is not equivalent in any way to violence. Similarly, physical violence is not a mode of speech. An absolute rejection of political violence. We affirm that lawless violence, even in the service of a just cause, is wrong. No exceptions, no excuses. The editor is a commentary. and They say, we hope you will join us. But it doesn't look like enough are going to join them, or join you, or join me. And now I have laid out a devastating case... And these entities and organizations do not seek reform. They do not seek balance. They do not seek peace. They seek the destruction of the United States. You've heard what the women said. I didn't put words in their mouth. You heard what the women said. Now I want to go to the Daily Caller. It has a piece up there this evening. Entitled National Arm of Black Lives Matter Spent Millions on Travel and Consultants Financial Statement Show. You see, this isn't just some movement of people getting together and so It is an incredibly highly organized Marxist anarchist organization. Extremely well funded. With a national <clears throat> uh, umbrella that overlays these various local groups. And they write, Andrew Kerr, Black Lives Matter Global Network spent millions on consultants, travel, and compensation for its staff from July 2017 through June 2019, according to audited financial statements from its fiscal sponsor, Thousand Currents. About 6% of BLM Global Network spending during those three fiscal years was in the form of grants to outside organizations, such as its independent affiliate chapters, the statements show. BLM or Black Lives Matter Global Network Managing Director, Kaylee Scales, told the Daily Caller News Foundation, the figures are not an accurate reflection of the in-kind support it provided to its affiliated chapters those years. Scales also said her organization is not responsible for the preparation of the financial statements, saying they were prepared by BLM Global Network's fiscal sponsor, Thousand Currents. Now, BLM Global Network spent $900,000 $900,000 on travel, $1.6 million on consulting, $2.1 million on personnel costs during its 2017, 2018, and 2019 fiscal years. So if you think this is just a voluntary movement that's just kind of risen up, certainly not the infrastructure. The infrastructure is well-oiled and filled with seasoned, I don't even like calling them activists, Marxist anarchists. And so between the travel, consulting, and personnel costs, that represents 83.3% of its total spending in that three-year period. Black Lives Matter Global Network granted 328000 to outside organizations, which include local BLM chapters. During that same time frame, a figure that represents about 6% of the total spending. Quote, the numbers you have for the prior years do not reflect, for example, the in-kind support for chapters and fundraisings, directed to chapters and programmatic assistance to chapters that would not show up as direct grants on the audited financials, says BLM Global Network Managing Director Kaylee Scales to the Daily Caller. That work was carried out by employees and consultants to BLM. They're concerned, you see, that it'll look like they're raising all this money and spending it on their travel, on their consultants, but not on local community activism. But Scales did not answer when asked how much of its spending during that time frame reflected the in-kind assistance she says BLM Global Networks gave its local BLM chapters versus the development of the various art projects the organization advertises as program areas on its website. And Scales said her organization is not responsible for preparing the financial statements, noting that they were prepared by Thousand Currents, a California charity that has acted as a fiscal sponsor for the organization. Scales also said BLM Global Networks has upped its grant making activity substantially during its current fiscal year, granting over 770,000 to outside organizations. A spokesperson for Thousand Currents, which was formerly called Index, excuse me, IDEX, I D E X, IDEX, confirmed in an email to the Daily Caller that it was approached by BLM Global Network in 2016. To create a fiscal sponsorship arrangement, which enables the activist group to use 1,000 current charitable status to receive tax-deductible contributions. You understand what all this means, Mr. Producer? Tax-deductible contributions are used to fund much of this. In this capacity, we provide administrative and back office support, including finance, accounting, grants management, insurance, human ins- uh, resources, legal and compliance, the 1,000 current spokespersons said. See, this is the, the, the corporatizing, if you will, of the Marxist anarchist movement. They're all full of us. They're all full of us. And it goes on and on, and we have linked to this piece. It's certainly worth reading over the weekend if you wish. Between that and what we've talked to you about the Marxist anarchist uh, uh, ideology that the two co-founders brag about now, uh, one on the uh, audio that I've played for you, one in writing in an interview with the San Francisco Weekly, you get a better idea what's taking on here, what's going on here. And when the Attorney General said there's a lot of leftist groups and organizations involved in this, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: Mr. Producer, have you ever heard of a platform called Parler? It's sort of a small Twitter platform. Isn't that about right? P A R L E R. Well, I'm going to do them and my buddy Bongino a favor, since Bongino is apparently a part owner of this thing. We're going to continue to post on Twitter and Facebook, but we're going to start also posting simultaneously on Parlor. Are we able to do that, Mr. Vitor? We'll figure this out, okay? You did start it today? How did you? Would you read my mind? Isn't that strange? Wow. Honestly, we hadn't talked about this, so we're gonna we're gonna post on Facebook, Twitter, and Parler. P A R L E R. Because Parler is an alternative to Twitter. Parler is an alternative to Twitter. We already have sixty-two thousand on Parler, and I never mentioned it before. Oh, really? I've been on there a year, I'm told, for a year. We have 62,000 there. But yeah, let's get it to 100,000. Let's start transitioning over there. And uh, Dan Bongino can thank me later. I'm not doing it for Dan, even though I love him. He's a brother. I'm doing it for Liberty, to create a a competitive alternative. You know what? I haven't taken any calls, but I'm not finished. So I need to continue for a little bit. Anybody remember who Stumpy Hoyer is? Stimpy Hoyer has been around a long time. He's the guy that kind of shuffles behind uh, Nancy Pelosi. And to make sure she's uh, taken care of if she needs water or if she needs something uh, as her face drips from her forehead down to her chin. Whatever is required. Whatever is required. He's there. Uh, that is Stimpy Hoyer's job. Now, I've been telling you about this, that the Democrat Party is growing increasingly anti-Semitic. Now, even for Gentiles out there, this should concern you. Um, What we have found, certainly through recent history, is if you hate Israel, you typically hate America. And if you hate America, you typically hate Israel. What's happening, the Democrat Party is now aligned with the Palestinian Authority, and some of them are actually aligned with Hamas, like Talib, Omar, and some others, in my view. Just my opinion. But you have uh, individuals who put their Marxism before their faith. And that would be people like Jan Schakowsky, Marxist Illinois, Brad Schneider, Marxist Illinois, Ted Dusch, uh, Marxist Florida, And others. 115 Democrat House members have added their names to a letter against, quote, this is the Jewish Insider, unilaterally annexing portions of the West Bank, according to a list reviewed by the Jewish Insider. And they sent it to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And that includes Stempy Hoyer. Uh, Nancy Stretch Pelosi has come out and said the same thing. Um... The Democrats, almost half of the Democrats' senators have done exactly the same thing, including Jewish senators. But remember what I said, Marx is their god on the left, regardless of religion. Now, what's going on here? Now, other individuals who signed this letter include Nita Lowey, Mark Pekan, Alan Lowenthal, Uh, Roe Kahana, of course, Senator Bernie Sanders, Debbie Wasserman, Schultz, Florida, Seth Moulton, Democrat, Massachusetts, always pretends to be a moderate, and Brad Sherman of California, another nut job. And uh, Nancy Pelosi has spoken out against this, too. Now, let's, let's just take a few minutes on this. That's all it takes. Annexation. How do you annex your own property? Now, the Jews have been in Judea and Samaria for 3,500 years, give or take. And the left used to support indigenous peoples, right? Indigenous people. Now, the Jews have been conquered by a variety of enemies. Babylonians, the Persians, the Romans, and so forth. Uh, enslaved for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, Just look at the pyramids in Egypt. It was the Jews who built those as slaves, among other things. And you look at the horrific Holocaust that took place, and, and so what happened is, there were Jews that remained in the original homeland, their ancestral homes, and there were Jews who... Over the millennia, they, they lived in different parts of the world, Europe and so forth. And many, after World War II, migrated back to their original ancestral homes, which they'd been pushed out of by Arabs, by Muslims, and others that I told you about. So what the president has proposed here is actually brilliant. It's okay, look, 30% of Judea and Samaria, where half a million Jews live... And the left and the media like to call them settlers. You're not a settler on your own land. You're a citizen. Uh, that the Israelis should be able to have complete sovereignty over that. The Jordan Valley, the Israelis should be able to have complete sovereignty over that. And the Palestinians can have another state, but but there's certain standards like no more killing Jews, no more paying Palestinians to kill Jews, And you have to recognize Israel as a Jewish state. This is a bar that's too high. And so the Democrat Party is now sided with Abbas and the Palestinian Authority against Israel. Think about that. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Remember, very important. Life, liberty, and Levin. Fox News Channel, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. I guess that's 5 p.m. Pacific. We're really going to dive deep into what's going on in our universities and colleges and how that's impacting what you've seen play out. And then the media in a different way, in a different approach. They're really all one and the same. They're really all one and the same. and We need to do something about these things or this is going to continue. This is going to continue. And I want the police officers all over the country to know, thank God you're there you're a better quality of citizen than most of the rest of us. And the vast majority of Americans know this. The problem is the inner cities are run by a single party with an iron fist. And they will do anything to hold on the power, including refusing to protect their law-abiding citizens. But the entire country isn't this way, and every city's not this way. Police reform. Tim Scott doesn't have the guts to come on this program and discuss his bill. I will oppose his bill. I will oppose his bill. And the statistics don't even lay out a case for what they're proposing. It simply doesn't. There's no discussion about criminals. No discussion about recidivism. There's no discussion about liberal judges. There's no discussion about ridiculous bail where they go in the front door and they're out the back door. There's no discussion on how to, how to create appropriate federal laws that deal with looting, rioting, arson of our cities, when federal dollars are expected to come and build up what some people have torn down. Some of our cities are starting to look like Baghdad, Mr. Producer, wouldn't you say? Where anything goes, where precincts are overrun, where guns are stolen. All of us don't have to sit silently and watch this. It's time to get behind the cops. And I'm behind the cops 100%. No, I'm not behind bad cops any more than I'm behind bad lawyers. I don't need to keep putting footnotes on this. We all know what I'm talking about. You practice a faith. You may have some people in your faith who aren't any good. There may be nasty. There may be evil. Okay. Doesn't mean you surrender your faith. But Colin Kaepernick doesn't speak for me. Roger Goodell doesn't speak for me. I speak for me. They all have their own little agendas, they all want to save their. They're uh, their businesses. They all want to make money. They all want to be famous. Screw it. When Roger Goodell and Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James and Steph Carey and all the rest, when Hollywood is moved to Newark outside of Beverly Hills, when these multimillionaire athletes live in the inner cities, And send their kids to the same schools rather than in the suburbs and other areas. Maybe I'll listen. But I also know about Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I know because they've told us who they are. And I also know about the American media. The president's right. They are the enemy of the people. Because they've destroyed our media. They've destroyed our freedom of the press. Well, that's not friends of the people. They've destroyed part of the First Amendment. So I hope you'll watch it uh, on a Sunday night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern. Oh, trust me, one day these forces, these fascistic totalitarian forces, trust me, they'll be coming for me. It's just a matter of time. And I will fight them like hell. Win, lose, or draw. Well, look at this. John Bolton. There's going to be a big interview with John Bolton on TV. Uh, Count me out. No, no, you don't understand it's news. No, it's not. Why is it news? Well, look at his allegations. Right. That's not news. The Secretary of State has already accused Bolton of treason. And I can understand it. Lighthizer, the ambassador for trade, has already said Bolton is a liar. My friend Eli says, well, I don't know him to be a liar. Well, okay, well, you're not actually a witness to anything, any more than I am. This is a piece by Sean Davis and Molly Hemingway at The Federalist, uh, which Google wanted to destroy. You'll recall Google, Twitter, Facebook, they all suck. They really do. They really do. And they're trying to influence this election, and I think that they're... These, these, these attempt to influence are basically massive, in-kind corporate contributions that are illegal. They want to have court contributions. They have to set up political action committees and follow the federal campaign laws. I honestly be, believe the quickest way to deal with these, these left-wing, multi-billion-dollar uh, corporations, the quickest way to deal with them is to, uh, to uh, confront them under our federal campaign laws. They say here, after John Bolton trashed George Bush in an op-ed, that would be Bush 43. The former president complained that he had expended political capital on Bolton and got little in return. See, I never knew this. It turns out that John Bolton is utterly disloyal. Except to the people in the media to whom he leaks, apparently. Turns out Donald Trump is not the only president who regrets tapping John Bolton as a senior national security advisor. In 2008, then-President George W. Bush bitterly recounted his decision to hire Bolton over the objections of the Senate at the time. In 2005, Bush recessed, appointed Bolton as his top envoy to the UN after it became clear he would not win Senate confirmation. Bush reportedly told an assembled group of political writers, Let me just say from the outset that I don't consider Bolton credible. Bolton was one of the primary proponents of the claim that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, requiring a group invasion and regime change by U.S. troops. Quote, we're confident that Saddam Hussein has hidden weapons of mass destruction in production facilities in Iraq, Bolton said in 2002. Now, a lot of people said that. I gave my opinion based on that, as did most of you, but let's go on. After those claims were debunked, and the promised weapons of mass destruction were never found, they write. He remained a steadfast supporter of the Iraq war, claiming it couldn't be proved that the ensuing chaos was caused by the decision to remove Hussein from power. According to New York Times reporter Peter Baker, who loves Bolton now, by the way, Bush told the assembled writers he did not think his hire of Bolton had been worth it in the end. Quote, I spent political capital for him, he said, complaining he got little in return. One of the writers at the meeting confirmed Baker's account in 2018. The Washington Post, Max Boot, who's a reprobate nonetheless, ended his column, Why I Changed My Mind About John Bolton. Well, he's changed his mind, such as it is, about everything. With a retelling of what Bush had said at the meeting in 2008. Nonetheless, Now, now it's going to be a very, very... uh, These interviews are... It's just like James Comey all over again, isn't it, Rich? I feel like it is. Who, Who wants to hear this stuff? Now, just to let you know, it's breaking that Twitter has now removed the president's video of the little kids hugging each other. And the president used that as an example of how CNN lies. It's fake news. Uh, Mr. What was wrong with that, Mr. Producer? What does that have to do with, with anything that's offensive? Absolutely nothing. So you know why Twitter removed it? It had race connotations. Isn't that what they said, Mr. Producer? Race. Race. It had nothing to do with race whatsoever. So now they have removed... So now they have removed it from Twitter. And one of the reasons is they were hearing from Jim Acosta. And Jim Acosta was berating the, the brilliant press secretary, Kayla uh, McEnany. Kaylee McEnany, suggesting that there was something wrong with it. You know what? She mops the floor with this guy. She absolutely mops the floor with this guy. Because Jim Acosta is an idiot. He's just in it. He gets up there. He's a kamikaze journalist, I call him. He's in there to destroy, seek and destroy. He doesn't have two brain cells to rub together. Although that pretty much is the resume for all those people that work at CNN. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: A well, quick announcements for Father's Day. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers and grandfathers and husbands out there. This Sunday. If you do this tonight, you'll get this in time. So many of you ordered my father's book, Our Police, that Amazon ran out of copies. So the publisher for Our Police has now provided enough copies to Amazon. They are fully stocked up. So that would be a very, very wonderful gift to give. I know it's for children, but you're a father, or he is a father, and he can give it to his children to read. That's from my father to your father. Also, on freedom of the press, it's very, very important right now. It's 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 very uh, poignant about what's taking place. It's very, very deeply discounted. If you're interested in that. And you haven't gotten a copy yet, or your father, or your grandfather, or your husband hasn't yet. It's the perfect gift. You go on Amazon now and order it, on Freedom of the Press, you'll have it by tomorrow. Or you'll have it at least in time for Father's Day. So I wanted to mention those two things. In honor of you, you patriotic Americans who make this country work. Law-abiding. Tax-paying. You. Every Friday. Every Friday. is officially over. The weekend begins right now. Life, liberty, and Levin, Sunday, 8 p.m., please. And happy Father's Day. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. Thank you all, and God bless you, and we mean it. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffy. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, my dear Barney. We miss you horribly. And good night, Dad. And good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. And we miss you horribly, too. Folks, hang in there. Hang in there. I'll see you Monday. God bless.
4: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.